Saves her money, grabs her backpack, hops a jet plane. Hello and welcome. This is Karen Modokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are many possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibilities. Each week I bring a guest onto the show who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and their own uncertainty yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into the space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really, ask yourself that. Join me each week for inspiration, entertainment, and empowerment you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.howshereallydoesit.com and get this interview as well as other interviews delivered directly into your inbox. Former think tank exec, business strategist, publicist, and one of the most popular and original personal development and career advice writers online, Daniel Laporte, is back with us today. She is reframing popular self-help and success concepts into her apathy-kicking, integrity-infusing, guide to defining success on your own terms in her new book, The Firestarter Sessions. Danielle, hello and welcome back. Hi. You know, your introduction is like a meditation <laughs> about <laughs> possibility. It's great. I felt like I was like I was in the zone there for a minute. Hello. Well, thank you. You know, I think this, the, my intention with this show is to help people see that it is possible to be successful, that successful people too stumble right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times people say, oh, well, you know, you're this life coach. You may never have bad thoughts. And it's like, no, we still have them. We just work through them. We don't let things knock us down and keep us down. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's why the show's an hour so that people can really hear the journey of the guests that I have and go, oh, well, hmm, they've had their own struggles too. So my struggles don't mean it's not possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, well, welcome. So first off, when people loved having you on the show, and but one of the questions that did keep coming through is people looked, and you are so unconventional, they go, what exactly does she do besides write cool stuff that makes sense, and how does she make a living at it? Mm-hmm. So those are the questions that I was getting. <laughs> so you want to know how I do it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I write cool stuff and I sell cool stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I have a very traditional career in some respects in that I write books and I get book advances and royalties from those books from publishers. You know, this has been going on for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big, that's a really sort of the central part of my career and everything I do points towards that. And I still, I mean, just almost as an aside, I still passionately believe in printed books. And it's why the design of, you know, my latest book, The Firestarter Sessions, was so important to me. So there's that. I also speak. So, again, that's really traditional. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I get my high heels on and I rock the mic and I get paid 
big bucks to talk to lots of people. It's great. Mm-hmm. And then I sell things online. So I have I have a, a digital program called Your Big Beautiful Book Plan, which is about really approaching your creativity as a business plan and and how to land a book deal out of that. Uh, and before Your Big Beautiful Book Plan, uh, the Firestarter Sessions was a digital program as well, audio, video, and then there's always little stuff. So I'm going to roll out a few um, uh, like audio programs, like you know, five bucks per audio meditation, those kind of things. And when you do that and you have lots of um, subscribers and a great audience, then you know you can make a living. I got, I can buy a hot tub now. Mm-hmm. Well, and so this is common with a lot of guests that I bring on. Has the internet allowed you to to do a conventional business a bit differently because now you are your own distributor of your content? Oh, fan freaking phenomenal! I think this is one of the most exciting times to be creative. There is there is no middleman if you don't want one or need one. Um, <clears throat> you in moments you can be in the publishing industry and personally for me you know psychologically i'm wired to talk to lots of people i'm i'm interested in in mass communication so i feel i feel really at home online um i really i approach my you know my 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 career my business as as you know, I'm a philosophical broadcaster, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm in the wisdom, I'm in the, I'm in the business of broadcasting wisdom. You may or may not think it's wisdom, but it's the closest I can get to it. <laughs> um, there's, there's really, there's no excuse to not get your stuff out there. Awesome. So, with the book, the Firestarter Sessions, who did you write that for? Well, that's really an interesting question because I don't, there's a couple layers to that. One, I feel like I don't write for anybody in particular. I just put out what's there, what I feel needs to be said, my own lessons in the most transparent form possible. Um, So in that way, I really feel like I try to keep my my quote-unquote art pure. It's like, what needs to be said? Let's say it. Because in that place, you don't worry so much about criticism. You're not focused on marketing. You're not focused on it making money. Um, it just is, is, is coming out in its sort of essential, um, essential expression. Um, but then, once you get it out, then, you, then, you, then I ask myself, okay, now, who is this for? <laughs> so, you know, it became clear once the Firestarter Sessions was flowing in its first incarnation in the digital program, it's like, all right, this is really for anybody who's got the entrepreneurial spirit, whether they're in a nine-to-five job or they are running a startup, you got the spirit, this is for you. And then the Firestarter Sessions evolved, and I always knew I wanted it to become a book, and it needed to be, um, I, I wanted to tell more love stories, and more stories about relationships. And I wanted this to be about higher inspiration. But, you know, and still have that through line of, like, entrepreneurial spirit applies to everything, really. It applies to how you run your life. So it it morphed and it grew. And so that's what it is, 
That's what it is now. It's really, if you if you want to wake up, if you've been waiting for permission, if you're feeling stuck, you're feeling overwhelmed, uh, if you're already feeling like you're totally hot and you're rocking it, it's fire starter sessions. Danielle, don't you think an entrepreneurial spirit is one of the being an entrepreneur is one of the best personal development experiences around (laughs) (laughs) that's a tweetable being an entrepreneur is one of the best personal development experiences around hashtag fire ss and your what's your tweet your tweet handle your name (laughs) Um, yes, yes i do because you put yourself in the driver's seat of your life you are accepting responsibility for making stuff happen. You get up in the morning and you're not relying on anybody else. There, you know, like, here, here's what it gets down to, I think. There can be zero victim mentality if you're going to be an entrepreneur. We can tweet that one. Mm-hmm. Um, because it really, really is up to you. I mean, we can go deeper down this path about the need to collaborate and the value of mentors, and you need to have a mentor, and you need to have a mastermind group and all of that. But really, really, um, ain't no one paying your benefits for you. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't launch, you don't eat. And if you put something out in the world that you don't feel in integrity with that is less than your best, nobody to blame. And... Uh, when you do all those things, you know, those, you know those, those achievements, those positive achievements, that affects you on a cellular level. You really expand your consciousness. It, it, it's as simple as your spirit knows that you did it and you can do it again. And, you know, I still, you know, there's, I have regular entrepreneurial challenges lots of them and when i feel like when i feel really hit by some things i think oh i almost went bankrupt this is nothing Mm -hmm. i I went to i was nobody and i walked into the white house and i pulled it off i can do this i can do this uh yeah so everything you pull off uh feeds the soul fire well, would you say from your struggles that is where you've gained your strength and confidence mm. from going through those struggles? I don't want to say that because <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to feed the ideology of <clears throat> that suffering advances us. Mm-hmm. Of course it does, but so does success, mm-hmm. and so does joy. And I have learned, I have learned just as much and made just as much money and had just as many fulfilling relationship moments from just opening my heart and and being successful and cashing in. And I let those things, um, I really try and uh, not hold on, but I really try and ride that wave of success. The failures, yeah, for sure they make me tougher. They make me tougher. Are they... Do they add to my success? Sure, being tougher adds to my success. But I try not to, uh, yeah, I'm not very interested in enduring. I'm just not interested in suffering. 
<laughs> well, either am I. I don't want to pitch a tent. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. It happened, but okay, what can I do and move forward? And even, um, and, and I think even in the times of success in my life, there was not that there was the suffering in the traditional sense of suffering, but there was a nervousness, right? And, but it, it was in going, can I do this? And you do it and you come out and you go, I just did that, right? Or whether walking into the White House and go, look at that. Look what I just accomplished. Or on those t- t- days that you have a tough, tough day, and you say, but look, these are things that I've accomplished in my life, or these are things that I did. Mm-hmm. And I think those help us. Tell me where I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely right, because, because my book says you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an exercise in the Firestarter sessions called glory boarding. And the idea with glory boarding is that basically you make your resume of awesomeness and instead of you know because what happens is at the beginning of something we tend to think of all the things uh we screwed up before all the reasons we're not qualified instead i think you should create a list for yourself of all the things you have pulled off the things you've earned the money you've raised the people you hired the things you launched um your accolades your degrees, your awards, just like get them all out, just like a big blow-your-horn document, vision board, whatever. And that's your touchstone, not what you haven't done, but what you did do. There, that is very cool to have that because then that changes your mindset. Yeah, you feel you have just supported yourself. Mm-hmm. No victim mentality in that. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's important because then when you can change your mindset, you're going to look for more of that. You're going to look for more evidence of how you can be successful, right, instead of shutting yeah, down. It's a great point. Yes, you will look, more, look for more evidence of why you rock. Um, it, also, it also clears your mind to see how great other people are. And you are more prone to celebrating other people's success. Um, You know, envy is a big, hairy energy blocker. And, or, let me be more specific, jealousy. Jealousy is is worse than envy. And, uh, you know, that spirit, the spirit of jealousy in competition I just think it holds you back. It muddies your mind. Um, it's, an, it's an energy suck. And when you can be at that place, you know, you've celebrated your success. You've already glory boarded for yourself. You celebrate other people's success. I mean, even like big celebrities who are making gobs of money, who, you know, I, I sense in my perception you know, are good people. I just think, God, oh, I'm so happy for them. Way to go. I'm so happy for Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. You know, so happy. And it's not even about her deserving it just so happy for her i'm so happy for all my friends who are rocking it just yeah yeah and it uh i feel more creative in that place have you always felt that way uh naturally a cheerleader for sure i think i got something when when life was handing out like the uh the rah-rah gene <laughs> I got in line. I'm like, I like love cheering other people on. Um, have I always felt that way? I think so. Yeah, I think. I mean, my the dark side for me has been comparison. Mm-hmm. Not so much jealousy. I never, 
didn't want someone to have what they had, even if it was what I wanted. Um, but I've been like, well, am I going to be that good? Am I, what is they going, what is that audience going to think of me? Like someone asked me a few weeks ago, uh, you know, why I haven't done a TED Talk yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, they haven't invited me. And the very thought of it makes my, po- like TED would be this mecca for my business, mm-hmm. my industry. And I immediately go into that comparative thing. It's like, would I get the last? Would I be moving? That's a pretty highbrow, sophisticated crowd. Am I too woo-woo? And, you know, that's, that's fear talking. And, that's, and I respect my fear and I listen to that fear. But um, <laughs> that's not what's going to move me forward, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And so with that, you talk about feelings in the fire starter sessions. And why is that? I mean, I think, isn't that an example of why feelings and what you feel are so important? Because if you feel fear, that can stop you. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, my sermon around feelings is about having our relationship to goal setting completely screwed up. And uh, I am so tired of bucket lists that just talk about wanting to get a house with good lighting and wanting to run a half marathon. Those things are great. I want those things too. I want linen sheets and I want a great car and I love everything this world has to offer. I want to, you know, I, I want a house in Santa Fe and I want to take 20 friends to India. Okay, so, but I want all of those things and the, th- and, and the things I want to achieve bestseller list, books sold, speaking gigs, are because I want to feel a certain way. And I, you know, my broad sweeping psychological declaration is that I think everything we do is being done because we want to generate a feeling. With the food we eat, the things we buy, the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with, the job we do, whether we like it or not, we're doing what we do because it creates a feeling, an emotion in us. So why not get clear, really clear, on how it is that you really, really want to feel? And, you know, I was talking about this with a, an agent once, a literary agent, and I'd written this, <laughs> written this paragraph to support my theory about how, you know, Mother Teresa did what she did to feel a certain way. And Bernie Madoff, who's, you know, rotting in jail because of ripping millions of people off millions of dollars, did what he did to feel a certain way. And the agent said to me, "Ah, you can't say that. You cannot put Mother Teresa and Bernie Madoff in the same paragraph. I said, well, (laughs) I can, and I did, and I will, and (laughs) I'm going to do it again because this this is the whole point. It doesn't matter who you are, rock star, criminal, kid. It's really all about feelings. So get clear on your core desired feelings and your business plan your to-do list, your bucket list, should be about generating those feelings, period. And that is my theory, and I'm sticking to it. So, Danielle, I have a question. So sometimes, you know, people think of success, and they think it's that house or that trip or that car, right, or that certain amount of money or whatever on that bucket list or running the marathon, whatever it could be. And um, But then they get to that place, and they find out that it's not what they really wanted. 
Yeah. Is that because there's a disconnect that they are thinking that those things are going to bring them that feeling? Instead I think of, so. Okay. I think so. You know, and I leave lots of room for mystery. Mm-hmm. Who knows what life is wanting to teach you? Who knows how your soul wants to grow? Um, life, I, my experience is life almost always has like a better plan in store for you. But I think the emptiness when you get there could be because you're chasing the dream for the wrong reasons. And and I also and I also would pour on a, like a heaping dose of self compassion in that, which is, I think, you know, the dreams you're dreaming presently, you know, they fit who you are today. They fit who you are today, and you maybe you can't even hold a bigger dream because of where you're at. And like that's cool. Um, so you know, six months down the road, your consciousness may have expanded. You may have learned nine thousand things. And boom, you're where you, you know, you get, you achieve your goal, but you're a different person, mm-hmm. different person. You know, you can, if you look at it over like a long time span, you know, everybody, I think most of us can say like, I don't want now what I wanted 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, ten, five years ago, a little longer than that, you know, I would have said, yeah, I want a TV show. I have, and that would, it would have been so wrong. It's one of the reasons it never worked out. All of these, I just networks all the time. I'm just like, I don't, what do I want a TV show for? I don't want to do that. I have to leave the house. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like my radio show because I don't have to do hair and makeup. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting here in my Uggs right now. This is awesome. <laughs> and so when you, were, when you were writing your book or be, and getting ready to write your book, was there a certain feeling state that you were wanting? Or that you were doing, being in as you were writing this book? No. I wrote, well, yes and no. I wrote the book out of pure survival. It was two things. Um, I was working on another book, book number one, let's call it, mm-hmm. which I've just resurrected and I'm working on now. And it was not flowing. And I actually thought to myself, I've got to take my own medicine. This isn't easy. You've you got to do what's easy to really be of service. So I'm going to put the book on hold. And then I just felt this nagging of, it's like the book, Firestarter Sessions, was talking to me. It felt like it was sitting on my shoulder, my right shoulder to be specific. And it was saying, talk about me. You have these stories. You took all these trips. You've jammed with all these people. You've got to get me out of your system. And I really felt like if I didn't get this kind of material out, I would never write this book. There, I really felt very clearly I had a creative window, and it was going to close. And I still, in hindsight, I still say I could have passed that. It could have been like the child you never had. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was that. There was this creative agitation, which I now see as such a positive thing. Pay attention to the things that are bugging you creatively. They're good. It's like your, your muse is nagging you. And then I decided to write it very quickly, the original version, the digital edition, um, because my husband and I were splitting up, and I needed to make money. And so I holed up for 12 weeks in the attic, and I wrote it in the middle of a divorce. And I would, it ended up not being a divorce, but we did split up for a year, and, and and we're four days from signing divorce papers, and he asked me for dinner, and now we're back together, and it's totally hot, and it's great. 
But when I was making this book and filming, you know, I filmed uh, 15, 19-something videos to go with the digital experience. I didn't even know how to work MacBook Pro, my, what what was the program, (laughs) iMovie. And, you know, I'd pack a box because I was moving and I would cry because I was moving and I put some tea bags on my eyes and reapply mascara and go film a video because that's what it took to get it out. And I got it out and it, uh, it is no exaggeration to say this changed my life. So some people may take that hard time and want to curl up in a ball and say the time's not right because I don't feel good. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's not what you did. You didn't pitch a tent. I, there, there was no pitch tenting, no tent pitching, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of hustle, a lot of moxie. And so was that when you were writing the digital edition or was it this book? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I, you know, I was working on the print edition while sitting in my new place all alone, <laughs> drawing up divorce papers. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, you do it, you do what it takes. And, um, and does that go back to Danielle, like we were talking about, about on, being entrepreneurship, being the best personal development extra experience that you could have? Right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> because you, mm-hmm. you, you've, got, you've got to put food on the table. So what do you need to do? Yeah. You go and create and you're not waiting for somebody's permission or for the time to be absolutely perfect. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, your last statement about time being perfect. It never is. It's never the perfect time for success or to create something or for something tragic to happen. It's never the best time. It's just the time that you make it. And it's always messy and imperfect. You know, I... And awesome. And awesome. It's... Some of the, you know, I've had my best days and my worst days all on the same day. And this is not a rare thing for me. It's just, and I just see this, ha- I, I see this happen with other people. Tremendous success and somebody dies. <laughs> Sorry to be so dramatic about it, but like, this is life. This is life. This is dark and light coexisting. Um, this is a great Buddhist lesson. Nothing is permanent. So just love it all. Love it all. This is why, you know, you go back to our point about not, you know, me not being interested in suffering and how you get stuff done. It's like even in the bad times, I, you know, there's a great, there's a great quote from Alan Watts, the great Zen master, do not suffer over the suffering. <laughs> love that. You know, of course it's going to hurt. Don't whine about the hurt. Just be with the hurt. So you can stay clear-minded so you can move through it. You can navigate like a wide-awake master. It still fucking kills, but mm-hmm. you, you're in charge. It's a big difference. And so when those days happen, where you, and I think, don't you, okay, two things. Don't you mm-hmm. think that people think once they achieve great success, they're now safe from those pains? Mm-hmm. Well, if they think that, they're wrong. And I think that's what creates a lot of pain and suffering is the fact that, oh, well, now I'm here. I've achieved a certain monetary success, career success, whatever it may be, right? But that bad things can still happen regardless. 
You know, I was just thinking about a celebrity the other day. Uh, I won't name who she is. And I just thought, she's loaded and she's probably still really lonely. Mm-hmm. And that's what she thinks about at night. Mm-hmm. And and how many celebrities, how many famous people, have you know sit on the couch and and tell everybody I'm the same person, the same person I was when I auditioned for that role, the same person. And even in my little degree of you know being known, people come up and say great things to me. And I say it's just me, you know. I get it's really lovely when women will come up to me, come up to me at, at book signings and parties and stuff. They go, "Oh my God, it's you!" I go, "Oh my God, it's you!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just me, mm-hmm. and I put on my false eyelashes to come to this party, and we're all just bozos on the same bus, <laughs> and it's a food chain, right? Like I'm in a position where I get to give people advice and. Sometimes it's helpful, and sometimes people are grateful for that. I have my crew on speed dial, and they have their crew on speed dial. Mm-hmm. The point is, like, you just cannot do this alone. Mm-hmm. You can't do it alone. And that's way more fun to do it with other people, too. Absolutely. Don't you think when those people come up to you, they have a story of who you are in their head? And, yeah. and you may have a different story. They have a story of who they think you are, and you have a story of who you are. Yeah. You know, someone did a brand assessment on me recently, like very publicly, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> they kind of criticize the fact that I am, quote, in her words, polished. And because I am polished, therefore I am, quote, not as accessible. Mm-hmm. And I found this amusing. <laughs> and, like, I, I get it, um, but I, my, one of the reasons I'm polished and I show up with, you know, well-produced stuff and I get a great photographer is A, I want to look good, but B, this is my version of being a service. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be my best for you and I'm going to invest in myself so I can be of service to you. And I want you to feel taken care of. I want you to feel like I've got my shit together Therefore, my advice may have some merit for you, and I can, I can maybe spare you some tough lessons. And uh, besides, I want things to feel elegant for people, elegant and edgy. But you know, whatever you get from me, I really want it to feel like it's the it's the most nourishing, uh, it's as, as, as nourishing as it can be. And if that's not accessible for you. Um, then you should give yourself more credit. You should give yourself more credit and see your own, see your own polishness, your own elegance. Have you ever been afraid to be real yourself? Sure, all the time. It, it, it's it's always there. You teach what you need to learn. This is, <laughs> and um, I mean, I'm less and less afraid. But at the same time, I'm constantly upping my game. The, there's more power players at the boardroom table now, and there's more people who come to hear me speak. And it always seems like the stakes get higher. So I am constantly being called to still be me, no matter what the situation is. And this applies to intimate 
relationships as well. I don't mean necessarily romantic relationships, but, you know, how vulnerable can you be with your friends Mm -hmm. and with your partners, business or romantic? And, you know, I don't think it's, you know, it's uh, upping my game is not the right metaphor in those situations, but, but how expanded can I be? I mean, I, I want to be as conscious as I can be in every moment. And, uh, you know, it always feels risky. So I have a question for you. With As who you are is growing and becoming more well-known and more fame, right, and you having the brand of Daniel Laporte, does that interfere with your ability to be vulnerable and connect with people or who you connect with? Uh, that's a great question. And the, ans- the answer is no, but there's a, there's a little disclaimer there. The answer is no because I have a very solid um, circle. I'm very, very close to my very close friends. And it's always been that way. And, and I'm, not, I'm not very social. I'm not a social butterfly. I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, if I go deeply with very with few people. And um, so I have that base. So I feel like I have people that I can cry with. I have people who I call and say, you know, I didn't get the deal. I did get the deal. Let me tell you how much the deal was for. Um, and that needs to be precious. And that needs to be private. I need, I, that's the way it needs to be for everybody. You've mm-hmm. got to have healthy boundaries. You've got to have things that are sacred. And then with, you know, socializing and being accessible, I'm still me. Mm-hmm. I'm still me. I'm, I'm, I, if you come to my house for dinner or if you talk to me after I get off stage, you're going to be talking to the same person. My hugs are sincere. Um, I will not shit you about... Where I, if I think an idea is great or not, um, when I say I love you, I mean it. And, well, one of the things is Brene Brown talks about how vulnerability is earned. And I love that because that's always given. What does that mean, vulnerability is earned? Vul- what's, vul- what's that mean? Well, and I think for me, how I've made it is that I would want to be so authentic and transparent. It was like, let me show up and I will just be totally authentic and transparent. But it's about, you know, having that connection and building that relationship where, like you say, there are people that you can lean on, right? There are people that you can share things with that you can trust. It's that inner circle. And not everybody is in that inner circle. That's mm-hmm. how I see vulnerability as being earned. Because I used right, to burn right. myself because I'd be like, I'm going to be authentic and transparent and let me show you, right? And those mm-hmm. were kind of the people that, I should be opening myself up to you like that, mm-hmm. giving them my heart to just play with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I've practiced, you know, who, who are my people? Who are my inner circle? Who can I trust? Mm-hmm. Right? Who do I know that really genuinely care about me versus giving me lip service? Mm-hmm. And so for you, so you have this inner circle. Can you add new people to that? Or is it these have been my inner circle for the last 10 or 20 years and that is it? Sure, it's growing all the time. Okay. It's growing all the time. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I collaborate with new people, and I was just having a fantastic conversation yesterday with Jen Loudon, mm-hmm. and Jen is um, she's launching a program called I hope I get this right, 
um, how to create a mastermind group. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, and she's, this is public. We'd had this interview, and it's going to come out in a while, so I can tell you this. Um, <laughs> part of her mastermind group that she's been in for like six years with some amazing people, yeah. uh, Michael Bungay Stanier being one of them, who mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of his work, Box of Crayons, book, Do More Great Work. Um, he started their mastermind group by emailing everybody and saying, okay, this is how much money I make. What are you guys making? Mm-hmm. And that set the tone of vulnerability and sharing and mutual support for everybody right away. Mm-hmm. And that takes some courage, courage to show up. But he was like, we want to really, we really, really are here to support each other's businesses and livelihoods. Then let's get really real about it. And that's the degree of realness you have to have with the people you are collaborating with and cheering on um, in that intimate circle. Uh, I love, yeah, I love that. I love that story. That is a great story. So in the realness, I mean, it is about showing up and figuring out who, because he probably had, and he's been a guest on the show, but he probably had some thoughts and was, you know, really strategized or figured out who are the people that he would want to surround himself with and who are people that would be willing to be real and show up. Right. You don't just go, oh, I'm just going to take my my contacts and my Mac and email all these people. It's there's probably a strategy. Tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Well, for for myself, I work with people who are generous. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like um, I work with people who believe that trust is a form of strength. You know, I've I've collaborated with people in the past who, you know, I remember getting a phone call one morning with someone I was going to do business with. And she said, before you meet with so-and-so, make sure they sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> I was like, are you, this is not, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. This is not how I do business. Besides, I, no one can rip off my idea anyway. I'm going to get it to market sooner. Like, really? No, off the bus. Um, and I like to pe- work with people who are proven success. Like, they've really accomplished something already. Mm-hmm. And um, I love working with people who have suffered. <laughs> uh, not so interested in the privileged, unconscious, you know, who has just had it all handed to them. I like people who just went out and made it and sold tickets to it. And um, and then if, for, the, for, for the kinds of people, like, aren't established yet, passion. Oh, my God. Nothing is better than working with people who are passionate, who are just like, I'm, I'm showing up, and here are my ideas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and it goes without saying, honest, right? Just sincere. I love sincerity. Well, and when they're passionate, that's also, I mean, I think, don't you think that you have to let go of trying to get permission? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why I wrote the book. Well, Everybody's waiting for permission. Not everybody. So many of us well, are waiting for permission. Yeah, and, and I think some of that has to just do with the conditioning, right, of education. And, you know, you have to get somebody's permission, a teacher's permission or, you know, approval of somebody. Mm-hmm. But instead of just showing up, and I wonder if people look at you and go, who the hell is she? She hasn't, has she, what permission has she gotten? Yeah, I gave it to myself. Right. <laughs> Smoke that. Um <laughs> 
didn't wait for anybody's permission. So, and if you don't think I'm qualified, I'm fine with that. Yeah, go someplace else. Yeah, that's right. You can find another blog who'll some someone else is I'm sure certified. Someone took a weekend workshop, and someone said they were deemed worthy. <laughs> or, or got a degree and are now yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Yeah. <laughs> There's no badge for consciousness. <laughs> well, and, and I think, um, you know, because I used to work in the academic world and um, was formerly tenured professor. And I think one of the things is that when you finally get through those Ivy gates or, you know, you work for a corporation or something, it's like somebody saying, okay, you're good enough, right? They're giving mm-hmm. that to you. But they, and then what's happening in their, our culture right now is it's, it's being taken away mm-hmm. for the economic reasons or whatever the reasons may be. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's like you have to give it to yourself and you have to bring it every day. Tell me where I'm wrong. Say the last part again. Well, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to give yourself your own permission and bring it every day with you. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And there's there's an ellipsis there. It's like, you know, dot, 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 you do need to have credibility. Mm-hmm. And that credibility is earned, and there's, there's like, no shortcuts to the credibility. So... <clears throat> You know, there's a kind of movement, a dyna- uh, uh, little little wee phenomenon happening I see online with all these people getting paid to teach people to do things that they themselves have not yet done. So it's like, <laughs> I'm going to help you, um, you know, how to create a six-figure business online when, you know, Buddy does not himself have a six-figure business online. Uh-huh. And... In one respect, like, that's okay if it, it depends what content you're giving people. So, like, here's the difference. Let's, uh, let, let me keep using Buddy as an example. If Buddy's service is that he's, he's out there and he's looking for other people's ideas on how they are growing a six-figure business, and basically his service to you is, um, information aggregation. Mm-hmm. He's hunting, and he's saying, we're all in this together. I want to make six, six figures this year. I want you to, too. That is entirely cool. And that kind of scenario is sort of the advice I give to, you know, startup, yeah, startup people who want to get involved in life. It's like, I want to do this, and I want to help other people do this, but I feel like a fraud helping other people to do this. I say, you don't have to be a fraud. You know, y- you can help the help, be that in, a, in a, a way of integrity. What I have a problem with is the lie, the people who lie. Uh, lies by omission. I'm going to help you do this, and you're going to assume that I've done it. That is bad juju. And I guarantee you're not sleeping great at night, and that that form of business will not be sustainable for you. So... Was that convoluted or was that you? No, you were just on a, you're talking about a Facebook group that I was in yesterday where we were having the same discussion. Mm. And it was about, you know, my question was, has this person made money just teaching people how to make money? Yeah. Or have they made money in a business and now are teaching that skill set to people? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, that, and that's something that, you know, I think is important is, okay, great, you have the seven-figure business, but is it just based on teaching other people how, you know, teaching people how to make money because they come in and they buy this product from you on how to make money. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm wrapping my brain. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. 
And so when you talk about no shortcuts, I mean, don't you think that we live in a society that wants shortcuts? We, it's the overnight success story, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted them. I still want them. <laughs> <laughs> You're an overnight success story. You just land these big book contracts and sell these products, launch these products, and that's overnight, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Seven years overnight, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you, you bought your lists from somebody else. Yeah, right. I remember <laughs> bought my list. Actually, someone ghostwrites all my stuff. It's not really me. Um, I just need to qualify that that's a joke in case someone doesn't get the humor in that, okay? Like every word that comes, yeah, every joking. pixel is me, all right? Um, where were we going with that? I just went well, off on that little comedy. I think, it goes, I think it's about being real, right? And you were talking about how that there can be this not realness out there. So, And you were talking about passion and being real. And I think that's so important because... Um, I don't know, were we taught as kids not to be real? Yes. And, and so maybe that's some of the stuff that is that realness is kind of a little scary for people. Because what if people don't like them if, if they are their most real self? Listen, it's risky. No one, so here's the qualifier. Um, be yourself and I guarantee you'll get hurt. And there's no way around it. <laughs> Be yourself, and I guarantee you will feel more joyous, more vital, more empowered, closer to whoever you call God. You will be more prosperous in every possible way. Mm-hmm. And it won't come out. It won't come without some stings. Um, you know, like I think Plato has a great quote. It's like, if you want to avoid criticism, do nothing and say nothing. Be nothing. Um, if you're, have you not, do you and I talk about this before? Like if you're not, if you're not polarizing people, you're not being yourself. Well, yeah. And, and, and if you're not being yourself, I mean, the, the great thing about being real and I guess offending people is that you find out that they're not your people. Right. And that gives That's you right. information. I had a friend who was recently on the cover of a magazine who was very concerned about it. And he goes, well, people are going to hate me more. And I go, isn't it great that you know that these people don't like you? There being more voice. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. Yeah. You're not wasting your time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're, the work that you're doing, you're going to get more support from it because of this. Yeah, you're so right. Yes. Yeah. And, and he looked at me and I said, well, now you know who your haters are. Move forward. Uh-huh. Because right. then you know who your lovers are. Yeah. yeah. Instead of worrying about that, you're going to hate you more because you're on the magazine. Okay, move forward. Yeah. It's not wasting time. Yeah, this is, you know, authenticity is risky business. It is not for the faint of heart, and it is where the gold is. And so does that lead into, because I want to, before we wrap up, is to talk about suckage. My assistant, she had read your book, and we had a meeting earlier this week to talk about your show. And she's like, oh, Corinne, I've really got to work on the suckage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, she's a college grad. She's never been told to suck, right? That's not how you get into university. You cannot suck. You're supposed to be well-rounded. And she goes, yeah, this Danielle Laporte, she's a really smart woman, you know, because really being well-rounded, how can we be well-rounded? And, yeah. and she's, you know, suckage. So, and, but that, again, goes against, I think, the societal conditioning that we get in the mainstream. So, yeah. Um yeah, just to flesh out the point is this is like get really clear on what you suck at. 
mm-hmm. and and that it drags you down. It is not your zone of strength, <laughs> and that is not where you should be putting your energy. And of course, we need to be we need to have a palette of strengths. But what I'm on about is I want I I personally want to become better at what I'm already great at because I'm interested in mastery. Oh. And that's what fe- it's what feels great. So, you know, this, this this story I tell in in the book is I had a boss come up to me one day and tell me, you know, and it was it was just it was like I'd cr- committed a crime, you know, Danielle, you just want to do the things that you're good at, <laughs> <laughs> and because I didn't quite know who I was fully at the time, I was just getting, you know, getting a spine, uh, I, I thought there was something wrong with that. I thought, he, my God, he's got a point. I just want to do what I'm good at. How evil is that? But it didn't take me long to come around. I was just like, yeah, because when I do what I'm good at, I'm in a better mood, mm-hmm. and I'm more productive. I get more done, and I'm having more fun, and I feel alive, and yes. I just want to do the things that I'm good at. Um, yeah, and so I gave up giving a shit about Excel documents. You know, I still push myself sometimes. You know, I've recently given up baking. <laughs> 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 because everything that comes out of, you know, the oven is just referred to as never fucking again. It is really. <laughs> and I just said to my husband, you know, we've been together now, like, you know, 13 years. And I was like, babe. Do you really, I mean, do you secretly wish that I could pull it off in the kitchen? He's like, you just need to let go, Danielle. <laughs> I was like, great, let's order in, you know. So, uh, but whether it's baking or Excel documents or whatever it is for you, getting on stage, writing reports, um, marketing, if you're dragging yourself to it, if you are resenting it, you'd rather have a root canal then this is not your zone of strength this is this is life's way this is your psyche's way of saying go elsewhere there's another way to shine interesting because when i think of sucking sometimes like i think of it as my way of letting go of perfection so maybe Mm -hmm. it's about Um, Mm. like with my physical therapy, I'm not going to be as perfect as my physical therapist wants me to be. Mm. And I'm going to be okay if I get the exercise done once out of 117 times, I'm supposed to do it in a week. Mm -hmm. But I know that if I give myself that space, I can build up to where I am currently doing the exercise on a daily basis. Right. So Mm -hmm. for me, um, and, and letting go of like, you know, I'm a horrible cook and I don't cook dinner, so I don't waste my energy on that. But with my back, I want my back to be healthier so that I can do the work that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of interesting for me because there's some stuff I'm really plenty fine with sucking at. It's like, okay, that's fine. Cooking, I don't really know how to cook, and I'm proud of it um, because I, I'm good at finding other ways to eat. You know, It's not my husband cooks, my kids cook. But I'm so fascinated when you talk about mastery because I feel like that that can be a lost concept in this world of well-balance. We want people to be well-balanced but when you're well-balanced, it's really hard to be a master at something, don't you think? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, around that same time, I was getting messages from my boss, like, you know, you just want to be good at, do what you're good at. 
I started noticing that I was really attracted to eccentric people and and people who were masters. They were specialists. And they're, like, really, they're out of whack. You know, they're, you know, we all know it's the nutty professor syndrome or the genius who leaves the keys in her car. It's, um, you know, it's the massage therapist who's just so gifted but, like, can't run her business. Mm-hmm. I mean, want you know, we want her to be able to run her business, but they're masters for a reason. They're incredibly focused. And there's such momentum and grace to that. There's such a... There's such a comfort, I think, that it brings to your life. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't work for everybody. Maybe being generalist is is, is great for some people. Um, yeah, but for me, I want that high. I want that high of being my best at something. Well, and I think it goes back to what you've said many times during the show, is that you have that team, that surrounding team. So, right, like my physical therapist is an incredible physical therapist where I, w- where I will drive 45 minutes to go and work with him for a half-hour session mm-hmm. because he's so good with the spine and he is very, very good. He's horrible at email, but he has a staff that can support that, mm-hmm. right? If, I, if he wants me to send him a picture of an equipment or something, he doesn't, you know, his staff can help him. Well, that's not what I need him for is the email. I need him for it to fix my back. So I do think that what you were saying earlier is that when you can be a master and then you have a team of people that can help support you do your work, that sounds like it to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is where you stick it. You stick to what you do best and you delegate the rest. So Dan- that is how you soar. <laughs> so would that be one of our first takeaways for the listeners? Stick delegate. Do what you do best and delegate the rest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and what would be a final takeaway before we end the show today? Mm. The world needs what you've got. Oh. Yeah. And you don't I need know. to ask permission. You don't need to ask permission. And that is, that perspective is completely, you got to go on faith. Mm. You got to go on faith that the world needs what you've got there's no data to support that (laughs) (laughs) but there you it's the best thing to try and find out that's true danielle thank you for coming back again today oh always a pleasure thank you Thank you very much. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you've been listening to How She Really Does It. My guest today was Danielle Laporte, and you can find her at www.daniellelaporte.com. Um, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com, and each interview will be delivered directly into your inbox.